I think she's still there and maybe even promoted now. She threw a plate at an intern once. <laughs> What's crazy is she worked for a gay senior director. Um, welcome back. Welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Queens. Hey, Queens. Hey, Queens. Um, yet again, back by popular demand because we're starting to lose the uh, slice of popularity in the Dime Square zip code. We have uh, David Fearman with us again on the pod. The queen of 10002. Do not come for me, Ella Emhoff. I am ready. Cash him outside. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for appearing on our podcast and not Nota Bene, David. Uh, I would, I wouldn't even if asked. Honestly, <laughs> the co- the competition is proliferating at this point. We can snap, we can smack down Godzilla and Freeman. Yeah, and we don't have a a large media platform that's paywalled. <laughs> I honestly would love to see how many how many downloads they get per episode. If we could divulge yeah. that information, yeah. I try see, us. I want to see what we're competing against exactly. <sighs> yeah, then I'll get down and dirty too. I know, but I will say the one thing they have going for them is they had uh, Queen of the Hood, Alyssa Bennett, who I love. Oh, uh, we could get Alyssa Bennett, and we Let's have, have her on, and we have Queen of the Hood, David Fearman. Yeah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how's everybody doing? Frantic. Doing well. Yeah. How's, uh, David, how was your Memorial Day weekend? Uh, very rainy and old timey. Uh, it felt very, I felt like an old person in Manhattan. I went to see La Piscine at Film Forum. And then I got stoned and went to the Frick at the Whitney or at the old Whitney. Oh, nice. How did you like that? Uh, I thought it was kind of, uh, what I liked about it was that particularly when you start in the British portraiture floor, taken out of the period context, all of that work really just makes you realize that art has been about power and specifically white supremacy forever. And it's just all of these really ugly British people posing in these very fancy society portraits. And that's all... That's the whole point of it. And they look really stupid on those fancy gray walls. I mean, I've always enjoyed the comparison of just generally how pasty and <laughs> Lena Dunham-esque everyone looked back in the day. It's, they do indeed. They do have that that puffy face. Like me. Uh, the Fragonard room looks really cool. <laughs> Which room? The Fragonard. Oh, yeah. Madame de Pompadour. Yeah. Sweet. That she rejected from Louis Kahn's Apremois le Deluge. Yeah, I find the whole new Frick sort of experiment uh, interesting. It, it, it sort of it, it ebbs and flows in success rate. Some rooms or some galleries are better than the others. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if it sort of is an attractive sort of... Uh, I don't know that I will return there as much as I do to other museums on a regular basis. I suspect the novelty wears off after the yeah, first visit. I don't think I need to go back to see it, but I'm glad I did. How yeah. was your weekend, Amir? 
Um, well, we crossed paths on the weekend because a friend of the pod, Sage, oh, of course. traveled up from uh, gay old Key West and uh, <laughs> stayed with home, us. Home of the pie. <laughs> home of the pie and uh, Hemingway's fat cats. And I mean that literally, not and figuratively. And she and I gave you a real education about rent, the yeah, musical. Absolutely. The miseducation oh, of Amir Guberstein. <laughs> oh my God. I love rent. <laughs> that was one of the loudest conversations to be held about musical theater on the corner of East Broadway oh and uh, uh, what what street is Little that? Canal presents Rent. <laughs> it was in fact Little Canal presents Rent. <laughs> yeah, and then I went actually because of Little Canal to the Hunter BFA show because of this very sweet woman Amy Tisdale Tidwell. Uh, invited me to see her painting so i went there after or before going to the frick wait is um, that the sh- isn't there another bfa show at uh pace or is werner <laughs> probably i mean i well i know that the lyles lyles and king is doing the yale bfa show curated by ebony haynes oh okay is that what you mean no i, I went to the- what show did i go see there was that the- hunter that hunter college um MFA show or whatever at like Hauser and Worth or something. Oh yeah, yeah. No, this was BFA though. Oh okay, that's where the, the financial stakes are lower. Yes, it's just in the Lubsdorf Gallery at Hunter College. Although, I mean, if we're talking zip codes, when I was a graduate student at Hunter College and I was at one of the openings at the gallery, it was an election night, and uh, I was tickled to see that it was Gloria Steinem's polling place. Wow. Uh-huh. It's like, you can't get much more glamorous than where Gloria Steinem votes. Can we talk for a second about how dumpy that whole Hunter section of a uh, of Midtown is, or Uptown, Upper East Side, I guess? It really, oh, yeah, like, but it's great. I mean, you go to diners, it's, it's real old New York. It's just old, weird old people. It just really breaks the sort of, the flow of the Upper East Side. It really comes to an abrupt end at Hunter and only deteriorates from there <laughs> southward. <laughs> but yeah. I, 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 will not, I will not mock well, your I mean, uh, old 64th Street is the, I mean, if you go a little west of there towards 5th, 64th Street is supposed to be the primo block of New York. That where Pace Wildenstein used to be. Is that where uh, Halston's 101 is? Uh, I don't know which street he was on. What street? I was think that was sixty fourth. Then yeah, well, one hundred one would have been a bit further east. So yeah, right by Hunter. Hmm. It's where Jane Holzer lives. It's where Pace used to be. Wildenstein Gallery with with but Jocelyn. Isn't that where Florine Setheimer's studio used to be, or was that in like Central Park South area? That I, you're the Jewish Museum Queen. Wait, what are you then? I, oh, I, I thought. Oh, wait, sorry. I thought you referred to me as a Jewish queen. No, specifically the <laughs> Jewish Museum Queen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Florence Setheimer. I feel like uh, predates the Jewish Museum sort of hold. Um, David, what is the Cat Lady's relation to Pace Goldenstein exactly? <laughs> oh well, you should listen to Alyssa Bennett's podcast, uh, The C Word on Luminary. She was married to one of the scions of the Wildenstein family uh, and had a very messy divorce with a lot of references to hunting in Africa and all sorts of things. But yes, that was Jocelyn. Uh, She was a Swiss woman. 
is. Yeah, because I know of her. I just didn't know what uh, what the connection was to that family. Yes, um, married in. Okay, well, I'm going to sign up for Luminary and listen to the podcast because I've only listened to the free episodes because I'm overwhelmed can, with like micro payments right now in my life. So I can give you my login if you want. Yes, please. Those Shemek, those micro payments are like death by a thousand cuts. You yes, don't realize. Exactly. <laughs> and there's so many to manage, and then it's like I have so many bank accounts in a very above board way, and <laughs> <laughs> they all only have five dollars in them. <laughs> basically, it's like it's like your five dollar payment um, for the not really podcast is bounced, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me started on Audible. I've tried to cancel that numerous times over the years. And every year when I do my tax returns, turns out it never got canceled. And I'm still paying an arm and a leg for that. <laughs> um, wait, so Pshemek, you have anything exciting coming up? Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> well, after we wrap in about an hour, uh, I am going to the airport. Flying to Mexico City for the first time ever. Sorry, you should re- you should start referring uh, to it as CDMX, <laughs> CDMX, <laughs> CDMS X. Um, is it your first jaunt outside the uh, the continent in over a year? Yeah, I have not been on a plane since we were in Italy, which was February March twenty twenty. Uh, and, th- and that was and that was inside the continent. Now you're actually was, yes. So okay, my last jaunt was December 2019 to Art Basel, Miami Beach, when we were there. The oh, three wow. of us. That feels like oh, ages yeah. ago. That it does was feel ages a long, ago. long time ago. So this is insane. Um, and in that time, the new airport has opened in Berlin after a nine-year delay. <laughs> and there are, the fi- is an- are the fire watchers still there? <laughs> Oh, yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, they thought they would open the airport on time if they just hired a bunch of people to stand around and watch for a fire in case it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Who would literally ring the alarm uh, if fire broke out. My God. Um, So the new airport has opened. And then also there's a new express train that's opened. So I'm so excited because including walking to the station from my house, it will be a 30-minute door-to-door ride, which is insane. It's like a 15-minute train ride. It's crazy. Yeah, that's a luxury. For like three euro. So what are you doing in Mexico City? CDMX, DFA. Um, Well, I'm basically going because I'm going for a residency in the States um, at Art Oh My. So I'm really excited about that. And... There's a travel ban right now. If you're not an American citizen or resident, you can't have been in a long list of countries in the last 14 days. Oh, so you have to go spend two weeks in Mexico and then... Yeah, well, you could go anywhere outside the Schengen zone. So I could have gone to like Croatia or Romania or some other countries. Uh, But I'm going to be working with a gallery in Mexico. So I thought it was a good opportunity to make some work there and not just bum around for two weeks. So you should you should work on your breathing in preparation of the high <laughs> altitude and the uh, shortness of breath that you will experience there. Oh God! Yeah, um, friend of the pod Max warned me about that yesterday. He said that when he was there recently, he felt really sick the first day, like a bad headache. From yeah, the- I had trouble. I had trouble sleeping. 
Same, I, David. When I, woke, I first I, got there. Yeah, I woke up like gasping. Like yeah, uh, same with me. Uh, Last time I was there, guys, I'm obese. <laughs> I'm I'm on the high risk level three of COVID. Um, well, luckily, good thing you're vaccinated. Yeah. Well, I have, I have my one shot, and I'm gonna get my second shot in New York. So, cannot wait to hit the eagle. David, will you go to the eagle with me when I get there? Sure. Has that reopened? Yeah, for vaxxed only people. So in July I can go. <laughs> how do the how do you prove that exactly? Uh with the card or the Excelsior pass. Oh yeah, I heard Cuomo's still trying to make the app happen. <laughs> a million God, people have downloaded it, I heard. Yeah, I heard out, of, that out of how many tens yeah, of millions exactly. in New York State. <laughs> exactly. But I so just they need to get over all these like vaccination pass digital solutions. It's like the paper is enough. Just like show the paper. Like, um, what's the issue? Yeah, I support that. Well, we, I hear there's a lot of forgeries of the paper. <laughs> why, why would? Well, in all fairness, I will say my brother. They just canceled the green pass in Israel. But my brother, who works in like sports, like he like covers sports for the news channels. Hot. He. He didn't get vaccinated for reasons that shall be not, <laughs> not disclosed. He's not an anti-vaxxer. Anyway, but he still had to go to all these soccer games and all these other matches and stuff like that. And he didn't have a pass. So he forged oh a pass for himself. Oh, my God. Um, so now you know why people forge passes for reasons unknown. Yeah, to, to go to a uh, low-risk open-air event. To, um, to hit the garbage cans outside the Eagle. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my sister, though, who is against uh, vaccinations, we when I was just there a couple of weeks ago, we all went to get coffee, the whole family, uh, at an indoor setting. And she knew what she was going into because she knew that the second she sits down, they're going to ask to see her uh, green pass in Israel. And she only sat down to start a, to start a fight with the, uh, <laughs> the waiting staff there. Go off, um, sis. Yeah, that must she, have been charming. She embarrassed the hell out of all of us. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, we all had to move and sit outside, and it was like 85, 90 degrees. Uh, God, terrible. Anywho, um, so wait, Shamix, you're coming to New York afterwards, and you're gonna stay with us for like a week or yes, so. And then you're thank do, you. Yeah, my pleasure. And then you're doing your fun art residency, art oh my. How do you spell that? Is that O H M Y? No, <laughs> I believe it's O M I. It's O M I. Um, or as we would say in Europe, Omi. Oh, Art Omi. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just so the FCC doesn't cancel us, do we want to talk about some art-related issues? <laughs> Always. <laughs> okay. So according to our paywalled Bible. Um, Ai Weiwei has just released an op-ed today, June 2nd, uh, entitled The Organizers of a Major UK Exhibition Used My Name to Promote Their Show, But They Were Too Afraid to Embrace My Ideas. Um, <laughs> so just to summarize it in a nutshell, Ai Weiwei was invited to participate in uh, the upcoming The Great Big Art Exhibition, which is a big uh, like contemporary art survey that takes place in the UK. David, you can step in at any point to correct me on any factual mistakes that I... I mean, from the article I read this morning, sure. Okay. Were, were you uh, familiar with this uh, art exhibition? I was not familiar with this art exhibition. Okay. Yeah, sorry for that this podcast is so North America and Berlin-specific. 
were unfamiliar enough with the things that happened uh, across the pond. Anyway, he was invited to participate in this uh, big art exhibition that sort of tries to celebrate art and uh, sort of the year after the shutdown of all the uh, um, the galleries. Uh, and he pitched a artwork that's sort of similar to an artwork that he did back in 2014 for an exhibition at the former Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary in San Francisco, where I quote him, I made postcards that were each printed with an address of a political prisoner. Visitors could write on them, and the postcards were subsequently mailed by the exhibition's organizers to the jailed individual. And so in this case, the... um, the art piece that he had pitched was sort of the same concept um, postcards that uh, in this case you would mail to amnesty prisoners is that correct? Yes well and, I guess no amnesty is the one who keeps the record of where people are oh sure and on the back side of the postcard uh, he would feature a picture of uh, Julian Assange's treadmill that he received, that he, I guess, worked out on before he was imprisoned or uh, was sent to the Ecuadorian embassy. And visitors at the exhibition, at the big art exhibition in the UK, would be invited to write their thoughts or whatever, and those thoughts would be sent to... uh, Sorry, I'm trying to find the point where it's... Oh, it's political prisoners, sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, and long story short, after about 27 days of not hearing back from the organizers of his uh, art exhibition, they decided to shut down the idea, uh, stating some like technical and logistics sort of issues, and Ai Weiwei suspects that it has to do with trying to silence him. And um, your thoughts, <coughs> Queens, on the matter? I mean, it doesn't surprise me that... I mean, it seemed that the nature of this exhibition was supposed to be very banal and kind of feel-good, where it seemed like he was men- they were mentioning wanting people to put images in printouts in their windows because they can't go to museums, which seemed pretty depressing. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be that surprised if they were trying to... if it was some kind of censorship. Uh, and I also... I don't know, the question, the gesture of sending a picture of Julian Assange's treadmill to oh political God. prisoners. Um, Ambulance chaser. <laughs> I mean, he also complains in his op-ed that this is an exhibition where Anish Kapoor's abstract painting could potentially encourage people to make artworks, and Anthony Gormley's instructions could teach people how to make a dog figurine with a ball of clay. Okay, girl. Um, I mean, that was him clearly being an asshole. Yeah. And also, An- Anthony uh, Gormley's... Do you know his work? Am I? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, he won the Turner Prize in, like, what, 1994? I mean, those things are horrible, those yeah. sculptures. I mean, the work is not just very much of its time, but it also sort of... His, I guess, cachet sort of frozen time in 1994. I once had a really amazing Anthony Gormley moment where uh, I was in... A booth that I was working in a booth at Freeze, and this lady knocked over uh, a pedestaled Anthony Gormley sculpture at the Tadeus Ropage booth with her purse. Is that one of his? Uh, it was like a standing person yeah. one. The the one made out of cubes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it oh, shattered on the floor in the middle of the fair. Damn! And what was it made out of? I don't remember. I don't know. I, I mean, thought it was, those things were like steel. I thought they were metal too, but it completely 
shattered. So maybe they he made some ceramic ones or something. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But it was a. I enjoyed that moment. I uh, aside from this. <laughs> I feel like they censored this project because it sucks and is boring and like. <laughs> yeah, what was I going to call it? What is that British expression about some a tempest in a teapot? Yeah, that's it that seems a bit of a tempest in a teapot to me. I He's, mean, I think he, I mean British public art is kind of known to be corny and run. You know, the, like this is something where they are as, a, it's, as opposed to what well, the U.S. Well, no, I just mean in terms of it. It's but it's more it has a more participatory bent so this idea of like what he's saying about people writing things and people putting things in windows and people emulating these things this is i mean i have a very cursory understanding of this from reading claire bishop's book in graduate school but uh it seems to be much more about kind of how do people participate and how that's how the funding is allocated and so i think that there's a more education-y participation way that they are that they kind of allocate the funding and <clears throat> evaluate projects. So, I mean, I could see why they would be very iffy about this project, but then also, I mean, it just it is it's really bad as a project i mean he also essentially uh outsourced this uh you know putting together a list of political prisoners to amnesty like what what were his criteria why should the public feel engaged to reach out to people for like you know an umbrella of reasons of why they were sent to prison um i i kind of suspect judging by previous op-eds of his or interviews on artnet news that He's got a bit of a sort of a woe is me streak in his entire approach. Like, I'll never forget that one interview he gave uh, to Artnet News talking about his experience and lamenting his um, uh, many bad experiences in, uh, during his life in Germany, which some I found pretty hilarious, uh, essentially, you know, decrying all Germans as racist and, you know, uh, detailing his numerous experiences in taxis where he was... Uh, what was that case, Pshemek? I'm forgetting now. There was he lodged some complaint against some ex- oh, bad experience. Oh, was a bitch to him. It's like, oh, a... I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he probably accused a non-white person of being racist to him. Which, like, yeah. of course, uh, another POC could be racist to a POC. But like, it's just like he's an ambulance chaser. Woe is me. Just like much ado about nothing. Sorry, <laughs> like. Yeah, and I don't believe there's censorship going on here with this project because it's like such an innocuous project. It's it's so like virtue signaling feel good of like let's contact political prisoners. Like who would be against that unless this project was in like Russia, Iran, or China, or like Saudi Arabia? I'm also assu- I'm also assuming that if Anish Anish Kapoor and Gormley are you know participating in this project there's huge fees involved and so this yeah. must have been a some some sort of a financial blow to him this falling through of the project yeah also um again the julian assange thing like we're not living in like 1950s ussr i don't think anyone would care that you made reference or light of julian assange being like exiled in an embassy it's merely it a in, photo of his prison now no, Julian is, is he? No, I thought Julian Assange is still in the Ecuadorian embassy. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, he is how? Still? I think so. We should ask Pamela Anderson. <laughs> um, how is how is like the WikiLeaks thing even? Does that even regard anything in the UK sort of uh, sphere of politics? I thought it was. Oh no, pure... he's in jail in the UK. Yeah, he's oh, on trial. He? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, because he eventually had to. Didn't they like storm the embassy basically to like get him out at some point? Did they? Something like that. Like, oh, or I don't know. Or the Ecuadorians basically had an agreement because they were just over it. They're like, why? <laughs> Why is this spy still here? <laughs> like, we are over it. Basically. Uh, I, I do agree with one sentiment that he shares in the op-ed, and I'm, uh, I'm quoting him. I feel ashamed that nowadays all art does is whitewash. My artwork has once again proven how the art world is corrupt. Ag- agree or disagree? <laughs> well, yeah, most of it is. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But uh, can I just bring up one more thing about him? Yeah. I'm sorry. Remember he moved to Berlin and then immediately made like giant bronze casts about like dead washed up refugees on the shores of Europe? I wait, wait. I, I, I might have for, forgotten that already. <laughs> Again, ambulance chasing. That's all I have to well, say. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like, what are you going to, I mean... A political prisoner doesn't necessarily I mean, doesn't need a net, like a random postcard from some random British person. I don't know. It just it's it's a very condescending gesture to everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, this just keeps reminding me of that one biennial at the cafe, like twelve years ago or so, where one of the uh, it was just hyper political. I don't know if you remember that one, Pshemek, but. Uh, one of the one of the exhibitors had sort of uh, created this like mock um, immigration booth where you could get your passport stamped by a Palestinian. Oh yeah. Uh, stamp as if it's a uh, you know it's a sovereign nation that you uh, you know cross uh, through its borders and like like Germans would just show up at the biennial with their passports and have like a Palestinian stamp on their passport, which is like a you know a, an interesting and thought-provoking gesture but just imagining traveling anywhere with a uh with a false or a sort of fake um you know stamp in your passports yeah oh well hmm. um so i wait wait bottom verse or top energy what's your take <laughs> oh <laughs> gross <laughs> um <laughs> Or this this whole that's, move. That's kind of a messy bottom move. Messy bottom. <laughs> and I, but I also don't know why we have to hierarchize bottoms and tops. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. It's a detention grabbing move mm-hmm. without much thought. Bitchy so it's bottom. messy. Bitchy messy bottom. I mean, uh, I weigh ways tree will fall in the forest if uh, this op head oh wouldn't have been written. Mm. And we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about something more positive? Because um, I have a little tidbit. Ooh. Bring it up. Uh, it's a really important anniversary right now. Uh, it's the anniversary of Jennifer Lopez's debut album on the 6th. Oh, my God. You're talking my childhood. <laughs> Girl, childhood. <laughs> I mean, my teenage years. You know what I mean. My youth. Or Riding the six train. Years. 
I had a boss at I was an intern at the Museum of Television and Radio that summer oh in nineteen ninety-eight. Did I Wendy think? pop in ever? Uh no, she did not, but my boss was named Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Well, On the Six went on to sell 8 million copies worldwide, earning a triple platinum certification in the U.S., and it spawned hits such as If You Had My Love, which, um, if you remember the music video, it had early references to, like, Cam House and Cam 4 and Chatterbait culture. Um, I don't remember that, but I'm going to look it up because I'm a major J-Lo stan in my adult years. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Waiting for Tonight, uh, an amazing Y2K anthem, which has given birth to a generation of a uh, messy bottoms. Totally. That was my green, prom song. The green lighting. <laughs> the green lighting is like the opposite of bisexual lighting. It's very heterosexual lighting. Um Let's get loud. Ooh. Which yeah. Was that originally hers? Yeah. Really? It's a bop. Yeah. Remember she sang it at the Women's World Cup? I do actually remember that. <clears throat> One of my best moments as a, a celebrity tangential art advisor was helping her was teaching her son how to convert fractions to decimals. Wow, David. <laughs> And let's not forget the final single of the album, Feeling So Good. I don't remember that one. Yeah, me neither. Uh, amazing. She finds a $100 bill on the ground. She <laughs> goes and buys this like ratty mink coat that she sees on a shop window. Um, when she takes the six train from the Bronx down to the club and she's dancing for Diddy, um, Puffy. and We're familiar. Thank you. Yeah. And then there's like... Uh, a big pun or fat Joe interlude with a dance break. That's a good one. You guys have to watch it. Can I just say I never got into her music. I find her a way better actress than a well, uh, musician. A terrible singer. Yeah, but the but songs that, are bops. So it doesn't matter what she And the fact that it doesn't like. stop her. I mean, my favorite is just yeah, the, fact the fact that, that being it doesn't a terrible, stop her. You said that's, it. That's what I love about it. She just yeah. keeps going and she just keeps doing it. Yeah. I mean, also Which, some of them were real, really good. I, th- I mean, what about when was my love don't cost a thing? That was the next album. So okay. that was like the year. It was like two thousand one. That was the J Lo album. That's when she had the movie come out. Like Made I mean, her her performance at the Biden Biden inauguration was pretty amazing. Oh my god, I loved it. Also, the Super Bowl. Her and Shakira. I still watch that regularly. It's very uplifting and empowering. Those two don't crack. Yeah, exactly. She's and very I beautiful. S- She's incredibly beautiful in person. Yeah. And I saw her at So House WeHo uh, early 2019, and she was glowing. Glow by J-Lo. She looked amazing. So. Um, but, I mean, it's nothing to compare to The Cell, Made in Manhattan, which I've watched 10 times at least. Monster-in-law. Um, oh, Mon- God, Monster-in-law. Um, what's the last one she made? Is it Hustlers? Oh, yeah, Hustlers. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, loved her in that. She was great. She should have gone the Oscar. Um, no, she's she's definitely a better uh, actress than a singer. I will also add in the art context that uh, they were looking, she was looking at a neon and then was just going to have it, just have a neon fabricator remake it for cheap and i i really re- i really respected that 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's just <laughs> calling out the grift of this business. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, why was is it this a Tracy thing cost? It was not. I won't tell you who the artist was. <laughs> but uh, she, it was, yeah, she was kind of like, why, why does this cost $80,000? Why does it cost $8 million? <laughs> <laughs> Like, Wait, can't was we it, just have this made at the store? Was it a component of a Mary <laughs> Weatherford painting? It was not a component. Was it an Mary Alex Weather. de Corta? It was not. It was, it was none of the above. If you guessed it, I'll, I'll, oh I'll acknowledge. God, I am, but I'm going to do some like artsy power searching uh, and try to figure it out. Wait, but David, just for just for reference, if she's ever interested, I'm very happy to make the abstract background for a, Mary, a, a, a knockoff Mary Weatherford, if you want to do the neon fabrication on the side, I'm very happy to juxtapose the two. Okay. <laughs> for, for a good price. I'll make you a good deal. Okay, I'll let you know the next time I talk to her. Okay. Uh, oh, also the wedding planner. Amazing. Oh, I love it. Anaconda. You turn. Selena. Hello. Oh, God, Selena. How could you forget She's Selena? She's so good in Selena. The one and- with, with George Clooney, the sexy one. Uh, which one was that? Uh, I keep wanting to say Eyes Wide Shut, but it's not that. It was an Elmore Leonard book. It takes place in Miami. Gili? Uh, <laughs> well, oh, Gili is, is where too. is where everything started. Hello. Um, also, okay, when she was first dating uh, Ben, because they're back together. Oh, out of Sight. That's the Miami oh, yeah. one. Uh, they so she shot a film with Richard Gere and Susan Sarandon in Winnipeg the summer shall that I graduated we, from high school. Shall is we dance? Shall we dance? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, the remake of the Japanese yeah. one, and yes, that took yes, the yes. city by storm because they were in Winnipeg all summer long, and there was like pre-production, the shooting, everything. Oh my god, little Winnipeg must have yeah. been so <laughs> over the moon because that was like peak Benifer. That was like the biggest JLo's ever been. And I'm really yeah, glad was that she bounced back from A-Rod and just like picked up Ben again. Totally. I gotta, I gotta say, I find the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon sort of slice in American cultural history so off-putting and not sexy. Maybe it has to do with the fact that I didn't grow up here and I just find those two utterly unattractive. Yeah. But, um, I mean, so- I don't, yeah, I mean, they're, they're dudes. They're bro dudes. They're from Boston. They're mass holes. But like I don't know, Matt Damon like really aged poorly, or like I was never into him. Ugh. Oh, I think they're both kind of cute. I would not kick either of them out of bed. Really? Oh, Girl, you're taken. What are you talking about? Oh, sh- oh please! I could still <laughs> fantasize about not kicking Ben Affleck out of bed. Okay, oh, now can, can, speaking of bed, uh, what are we doing in terms of matchmaking me when I get there in two weeks? <laughs> This podcast is off the rails today. I told you what we're doing. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a picnic mm-hmm. in East River Park, and then we're going to invite all the bachelors back to my apartment for a dinner party. And we're going to have like an interview portion, and then we're going to see who you go home with. We could turn this into a podcast episode. I mean, I think we should broadcast it live. And Pshamaka, Actually, yes, you're right. I am more than happy to voice my Hasidic uh, um, stalker from the gym <laughs> onto you. <laughs> He's all yours. We can do a reverse unorthodox. So maybe I should get a guest pass to uh, mm-hmm. your gym, which I will not name publicly on this podcast. Um, and maybe I'll be betrothed to him and the community. 
Uh, sure. Or maybe we can do like an ice storm style party, like a keychain party. Are you familiar <laughs> with that? Yeah, that's what we're going to do at my house. It's going to okay. be like a bachelor slash keychain party. Yeah, we should do okay. that. So if anyone's listening and wants to go on a date with me, uh, or you have any eligible bachelors um, in the tri-state area. In the tri-state yeah. area. What are your dates here again? Uh, June 17th to June 25th, and then July 19th to August 2nd. So we have a lot of time. So yeah, we have the prep week, which also includes my birthday. Oh my God. Yes. And then. <laughs> I think you, you might have to bleep out all those dates we just mentioned, lest our uh, insane troll Oh my god! Yeah, you can't. You can't get stuck. <laughs> oh you can't get stuck by that guy. Oh my god! Oh well, we're all excited for you. There's a uh, table waiting for you at Dallas BBQ with a oh my uh, god XXO Magnum. Yeah, Annie Coletta. <laughs> There's all the Soho houses, the Soho houses, um, the Eagle. I can't wait for the Eagle. Um, I overdosed on the Soho house this weekend. We, the, the weather here was the weather here was just so shitty that we, we couldn't really take Sage anywhere except for the Soho house, which was v- very accommodating. Because no one uh, was there. Uh, it was sort of half full, but like now I just need a, a, a break for a little bit. Okay, so have the break so that you're ready to go full force again when I get there because I need to have that East River view. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, poolside at Soho's Dumbo is very body positive. Good, because I'm really fat now. So, like, <laughs> fatter than the last thing you saw me. <laughs> uh, no, you see a lot of uh, shades, shapes, colors, hair levels, and uh, it's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's pretty open. Oh well, excited to have you stateside after your oh, uh, so your excited. Mexican sojourn. Mm. and mm. um just careful first of all don't drink the water the tap water oh my god don't i was already ac- googling how to uh wash vegetables yeah don't uh well most uh airbnbs and stuff have these like water jugs oh, okay there yeah. um but also just don't don't accidentally open your mouth when you shower like charlotte yeah like charlotte <laughs> and um and also I was just gonna reference her with you in the hot seat but she oh, came up true. again there's such a slew of good uh, Charlotte references to be made. Um, yeah, also, I, I would be careful with the uh, untested street food carts. Yeah. I wouldn't... I mean, it's, it's very tempting, but I wouldn't follow my nose. That's what someone was telling me a couple of days ago. Uh, Just ask I'm, a local which ones are good. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's what someone was telling me. They're like, oh my God, love, you have to go for the street food. I'm like, girl, I'm not doing street food anywhere, even. <laughs> like... I mean, if I went for a month, I would just do street food f- on the first day to get sort of the baseline immunity and my and my oh, floral, no. my gut floral. Um, Hell no. Yeah, you don't want to spend your week in, uh, your two weeks in bed there. No. Even though um, I will say it's a really good way to lose weight. No, we're going to be losing weight by basically being like mildly drunken floozies on the town when I get there. Because I just bought my travel insurance policy a couple of hours ago, and I paid extra for the coverage of um, things that happen while I'm intoxicated. (laughs) 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 It was literally an option. It's like, if you don't get it, you can't be under the influence of alcohol when calamities happen to you. (laughs) 
just uh, just don't go to a uh, rooftop party in the East Village. It seems like that's where most people tend to like fall over, <laughs> fall over, intoxicated, and wind oh up on like Jesus. in a shaft on the street. Oh my god! Or maybe the New York Post has just has an uh, um, you know an X amount of uh, deaths by this cause that they have to report <laughs> a year. Uh, they're really into. Um, pride related things now that it's pride month um did you see the oh, boat Jesus. that caught on fire <laughs> oh i didn't no i'm just i'm already tired of pride month and it's only june 2nd mm-hmm. um yeah i uh, so go ahead no i was just gonna say there was there was a family with a pride flag on their boat uh in washington state and uh, some bigots pulled up to them and they were giving them the finger and circling them. And this was all caught on video. Uh, and then like one minute later, that boat exploded and caught in flames and they had to jump oh overboard. <laughs> the bigot <laughs> boat? The bigot boat, yeah. And then the gay family saved them. And That's a movie. The, That's a movie right totally. there. And they weren't nice. They didn't even thank them. And the like the dad or whatever shit his pants. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, I will tell the story again. When I came out of the closet at the age of uh, sixteen, my mother was so proud of me—no pun intended—that she she went on to found the local P flag chapter in my hometown. That's that's adorable. She's like Michael's mom, and uh, I was gonna say, yeah, I still have a bag of uh, she. The first pride in my hometown. I think it was like eight or ten years ago. She fucking ransacked the boots, and I still have a bag of merch, like rainbow-themed merch from when she, uh, when she hit that pride. Um, That's very sweet. It is very sweet. Um, yeah. What's your pride story? Are you queens proud? Mm-hmm. I'm proud. I'm loud and proud. I don't know. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, David just walks down the street. We know he's gay, so. Mm-hmm. And I love that I mean, about you. <laughs> Is that a problem? No, I'm saying, <laughs> and we love you for that. <laughs> and Premic is vaxxed and waxed and ready for summer 2021. <laughs> and, and obese and just ballooning. So. <laughs> but we're living for it. Yeah, and, and queer comes in all shapes. I know. So they say. Um, well, speaking of a uh, of woes, uh, another article <laughs> that <laughs> that I came across on our paywall uh, Quran Artnet News um, says most art galleries assistants earn far less than a living wage, according to our exclusive dealer salary survey. Um, many members of the commercial art world have used the pandemic as a clarion call to all their employee employers demanding an overhaul of the pressure cooker environments that have proliferated in the industry over the past few decades. But few gallerists have been willing to discuss the financials involved in becoming a gallerist. More than 100 respondents to the survey identified as a gallery as gallery directors, the majority of whom were making more than $100,000 a year, with a few top earners reaching toward the millions. By comparison, those who identified as a gal- as gallery assistants hit a, a ceiling of 35k and i would never work at a gallery ever again said one source um, i mean it's really awful i will say i started around i mean i started at a gallery as a gallery assistant 
16 years ago and made 28k which and that's adjusted backwards to inflation well yeah that's what i mean it's like that's it doesn't even seem like that's enough of a raise because mm-hmm. i mean i was paying 500 dollars a month for an apartment or for a room at that point you can't find a 500 dollar a month room where was that where was my room? Yeah, five hundred dollars. It sounds uh... uh in Crown Heights. Oh wow! Um, but still twenty eight thousand. Like even I. What year was that? Two thousand five. I mean, it was it was disgusting. I mean, it's like no, st- but it's, yeah, that's that's way too little even back then. Even no, in another I city, I mean, like of course a it was. That's what I mean. City. And I'm yeah. saying it just ha- it seems like it's even worse because I don't know what the rate of inflation from two thousand five to now is, but. It seems like it would be, I mean, maybe it's 20%. It'd be 30-something thousand, probably. Yeah. What was your, uh, how many hours a week did you work? What was your uh, purview? It was a regular 9 to 5 or 10 to 6, 40. Uh, Was it demeaning? Of course. I mean, I didn't really know any better, and it's bizarre. It's just it's bizarre because you're working, it's when you, it's, it's a very shocking moment when you enter that milieu at that age because you feel like you're kind of worldly and you've if you're you've like gone to a school in new york city and you whatever and then you just see how actually rich people are and then you think about how little you make working for them uh and it's it's you it's a it, it is jarring you learn you really learn quickly about the where you exist in the hierarchy at the very bottom and I feel I mean I don't know it's just and this just goes along with the general feeling of people I mean millennials getting fucked and as a geriatric millennial which is my new favorite thing uh, (laughs) I'm like at least I'm I'm a geriatric millennial and not a young one Um, but I was talking to a friend of mine who is in like middle management level at a gal- at a at a Chelsea gallery and their response to as in like worked her way up from being the front desk person to being the archivist to being the director of press situation and their response to the pandemic this gallery was to just fire all the newly hired people which was all the assistants and then, as such, all of the people who had graduated from assistants to higher jobs then had to go back to doing their full job that they're doing now and being the assistant again. And it just, it, it's kind of amazing to me how disgruntled everybody is in the gallery industry, but then also how stuck everybody is because it's such a unique place to work that I don't know how to transition into a different industry. Mm-hmm. But what about the fact that for some people that very low sort of uh, pay ceiling is also matched with their financial cushion of where they come well, from? Well, I mean, of course, yes. I mean, that's that's there, and that's the whole part of it is that it relies on. I mean, it's an industry that relies on the children of collectors and rich people, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of not the salary is often nominal. But then at this point, but when it's not. And you actually are interested in art, but do not have a trust fund, then you're you have to kind of make your way up. Or I don't know. I have another friend who wants to go and work in an admin capacity at a hedge fund after working in a gallery because she thinks that because she's going to make triple the money. Mm -hmm. 
Well, what was the experience like for you? How did you, can you give us just a, a, a broad detailing of your, uh, your history, your career history? How do you emerge from that low paying job into your current stratosphere? Low <laughs> <laughs> into my current stratosphere of being a low earning independent business person? Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know. You, you have to take a leap. I mean, I, as I said, this is the first time I was on this. You have to take a leap of faith to start your own thing. And I mean, I did. And I believe I told this story about being told that I was not attractive as a director at a Chelsea gallery because my parents weren't collectors. And that's when I ended up starting a gallery. To prove um, them wrong. <clears throat> what did you say? To prove them wrong. Oh, yeah. To prove them wrong. Because um, this person really gives a shit about me. But no, uh, but I think that, I mean, I keep saying this to people, like one of the only, like my main goal as a business person, which probably shows my somewhat lack of ambition is just keeping my (laughs) business afloat so that I don't have to go and be a director or salesperson at Hauser & Worth. Where you stand to make way more money? Yeah, I just don't want to do it though. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, my career trajectory was, just, you know, working in galleries and then wanting to have more. Cre- I mean, and some, you know, and people are different. Some people want to be company people. Some people want to have creative autonomy. And so some people are really excited about, like, if the end goal is being a director at David's Werner. Mm-hmm. But like, we for example, know, we but- we have friends who've been assistants who you know different levels of capacity at galleries for years now and haven't really sort of been promoted properly i guess i'm wondering how would you best leverage this sort of gateway opportunity to ascend the rungs of the ladder i mean either uh, you have to prove yourself independently you have to do cool stuff outside i think or just say fuck it and do your own project because i mean if you look at the people who are the higher ups at these places there's not that much of the pie to go around Mm -hmm. and but like so you're saying it's not very common to get promoted within the system within the gallery uh it it is and it isn't i mean there's a there's a limit to it because so many there's this whole generation of people that's like the the people that are all in their 50s who are now all the people that are kind of in charge of the system, they're not going anywhere. The I mean, ones Barbara, getting canceled because they're abusive in the workplace. Well, but there's, they're not actually... Nobody's getting canceled, though. Nobody <sighs> in galleries is actually getting canceled. And <clears throat> so being in that... Those people are not going to give up their foothold of profit sharing for 20 years. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's really like the next generation of galleries i mean there's the big big the older galleries and then there's the people who all came around in the 90s and when the art world kind of exploded in the 90s into the early 2000s and all that money went into it those are all the people that are still pretty much the power brokers and they're not going to give an opportunity to anyone because they don't want to share yeah so I i think you have to either you just have to either be content and work really hard and just become a salesperson and just sell your ass off and make commission. Or you have to just start your own project and get cultural respect from that. And you translate that into capital. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the, 
the people that are the real go-getters, I think when they're employed somewhere and there's enough buzz and energy and excitement around them, then I think people, the employer's scared that uh, someone will poach them away for that cultural capital. So it's like you really have to put yourself out there. Just, just showing up and doing your job to the job description isn't enough. But then again, when you... No, but I mean, that's capitalism in general. I mean, you're not going to advance if you just... We're not not automatons. But I mean, then again, when you skim the the posts on cancel art galleries on Instagram, you you really get a sense that the landscape is just riddled with horror and trauma for the low-hanging fruit in this business. Well, yes. I mean, here's the thing about that. Part of it is that... Galleries are these very strange businesses because they operate at very high levels of money, but then there's often not that much, there's not that much, like there often isn't that much profit because so much of it just goes back into it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it is a lot of money, but it's also not. B, the people who start them and run them are often people who don't really understand money because they're rich people. And wait, I thought I thought people are rich because they have a uh, at least a modicum of talent in uh, retaining that wealth. Well, I mean, it's not that hard to retain your wealth by being cheap. It's people who I mean, I'm I'm mean, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people whose parents are steel titans. Yeah, and then you make low risk investments that give you a ten percent return every year, and you just yes. keep making money. And someone else just does it for you. Yeah. But but that, but it's also the other part of it is that there tend to be very small organizations. So it's like you're working in a weird mom and pop shop where mm-hmm. the mom and pop hardware store goods cost three million dollars, but you're still dealing with the insanity of working in a family business. Right. But also the uh, it seems like a very lucrative business you know like high turnover but it's actually very small even the top galleries you know like if if you're in the business of like owning a car dealership or selling boats or things like that you're making way more money than a gallery i guess (sighs) are you yeah it's i mean i don't know it's when you look at these people that are buying apartments in those like you know, like the super mega skyscrapers on Billionaire's Row. It's people that like own multiple car dealerships. And I'm not talking about like thousands of car dealerships. It's, uh, yeah. It's like the art world is glamorous, but, you know, there's a few really big fish. And yeah, they're wealthy. Yes. Like Larry Gagosian's wealthy, but in comparison to people in kind of other industries that are unglamorous, he's uh, poor compared to them. <laughs> Yes, and then it's and then that's because then then it's the collectors are really the ones who rule everything and just looking yeah. up where their all money comes from and it's you know shopping malls and you know um, <laughs> sorry but while you're talking I'm just skimming the uh, posts on cancel art galleries and some of the accounts are just <laughs> a sales assistant at bleep and bleep used to call me the dikey one that looks like a thumb. I think she's still like there. A thumb? <laughs> like a thumb. I think she's still there and maybe even promoted now. She threw a plate at an intern once. What's crazy is she worked for a gay senior director. Oh As God. if gay we're being a gay person is No automatically. Hello, we're, we're gay, therefore we're mean. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, we could go off and on about cancel art galleries, but... <laughs> Stay tuned to our paywalled special, <laughs> <laughs> where we really uh, run our mouth. Oh my god! So is there is there essentially a way to circumvent that and not sort of start out from this very pathetic and demeaning bottom where you earn thirty five k a year, and like especially if you don't come from a wealthy cushion sort of financial background, is there a way to like earn a living in a dignified way in this business and also ascend the rungs? I mean, if somebody starts a more ethically uh, financed business, sure. What what is a model that comes to mind for you when you think of a sustainable model that's not a you know involved in shady shitty dealings that uh, you mean it like a concrete example I don't know that I have one okay um, but I think that there's a way in which you could if you actually used had a, a you know a business consultant and cost benefit analysis and had a real HR per if you treated it like a real company where you had HR and you yeah. had like employees got real benefits and you got 401ks and you yeah. got dental insurance and like you were treated like a human as opposed yeah. to a servant but wait what's per- what's keeping galleries from actually paying a fair wage to their employees because they don't have if- to because there's a pool of rich kids who want to work there okay but they could if they wanted yeah, because but they don't have to. Yeah. Okay. So also, there's no real incentive because they can get the inter- they can get the intern class to turn into the assistant class and those are the people whose parents are paying their rent. Mhm. But it's very narrow sighted because if you actually invest in your employees, you will get better employees. Oh, of course. I mean, and I've seen this with galleries that I've watched and been friends with and the amount of turnover at these places is shocking. Mhm. And oh, it's just Exactly. I mean, one friend who works at a big gallery told me uh, that it's been impossible for the gallery to get all the the richer kids back to the office now because, like, once oh, because they're all in Aspen or something. They're they don't want to work. Me. Not just that, they just do not see the value anymore of having to like physically commute to a office space for a wage that is just symbolic to them, where they can just you know do the work from uh, wherever the fuck they are now. Um, so I think, yeah, as you said, with the lack of incentives to actually be there and be devoted and engaged in the work, you're just dealing with a lot of, uh, lack of discipline, I guess that's your fault. Mm. Well, remember when we got paid eight fifty to stuff envelopes and that was a lot of money. <laughs> in, like, it wasn't, <laughs> I mean, you know, I was in school. I did not have two, uh, two Fennig to rub together. <laughs> And uh, that was, that was, sorry, someone's blasting. I mean, look, I was broke. It was nice to have some cash at the end of the day. But all things considered, you know. And a sad w- lunch. Yeah. Would it kill them to pay us 10 bucks an hour? No. And that's the thing. Where it's were you like a, envelopes? Was it an art job? It was. It was a <laughs> which I will now beep out. <laughs> and <laughs> And to me, it's just like. Why are you being cheap? You know what I mean? You don't like, I'm not expecting you to pay me 30 euro an hour, but just like the difference between 850 and 10, like, no, I mean, I, I mean, listen, I've heard all the, I've heard all the 
I've heard these. I've heard rich people say a lot of things about people working for them. People saying like minimum wage exists for a reason. I'm like, yeah. well, yes, but not the reason that you're thinking. Yeah, exactly. And also, you don't want someone that you're paying minimum wage to be your front desk person because that person is not going to be able to talk to your high level clients. Exactly. And, have, and uh, I will say, paid us. Yes, they paid us that little, but they also sent me home with a cute Fiden book. So really? at least I got that. Did you Which steal they that? paid for and just had <laughs> sitting around in the closet? No, they straight up offered me it. It, it was one of the cheap ones you could get at MoMA for like 20 bucks, but uh-huh. um, it went a long way. Well, I still mazel. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, All right, we need to wind this down. Uh, Amir, do you have any last thoughts? Um, yeah, if you suspect that you have any form of uh, COVID, lockdown, PTSD, absolutely don't go to the theater to see the new, uh, new movie, <laughs> A Quiet Place Part 2, which I did yesterday, and it really uns- unsettled me and like put me in a really terrible mood for the rest of the day, even though oh, it's an God. amazing movie. Uh, it's just really intense to watch if you're not used to interacting with the outside world anymore. <laughs> so yeah, that's my advice. What about you? Uh, I just wanted to um, do some shameless self promo, if that's okay. <laughs> Always, let's see. That. I want the furniture. I want to see furniture. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. So I had the worst few months of my work life, namely the last week, has been a shit show of stress. But it all finally got finished um, on late Saturday night. Transported Sunday morning mini unofficial opening on monday um but congrats thank you yeah congrats it looks great thank you so much uh thank you for all your emotional support along the way because it was really (laughs) that's what we're here for (laughs) thank you guys um so i'm in this group show at berlinische gallery uh in berlin it's a berlin state museum and it's an outdoor show uh, that's taking place all summer and there's a whole program of public events and uh, I made 20 sculptural furniture works and <laughs> it nearly killed me that's uh, quite and the la- feat it is it, I can't believe it's all done um, and I had a show open in Paris last week uh, at Gallery de Rouillon and that's up, uh, I think, for like a month and a half. So please check that out if you're in Paris or check it out online and share it with your friends. <laughs> check it out. It looks amazing. Thanks. David, what uh, about you? Um, it's the last week of Yenny Mao's show at the gallery. Uh, I'm opening a show with Elizabeth Gleisner and Aaron Michael Skolnick on the 13th of June. Also looks great. Um... Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Um, I thought I had something and it flew out of my head. Uh, I've been enjoying going around New York City. I had my first in-person therapy yes. yesterday, so I went to the Upper West Side. I went to the Upper East Side yesterday. Also, it's just it's nice to experience different neighborhoods. 
There's so go around and see things. There's absolutely nothing better about the New York experience than getting on the train, going uptown to see your therapist. On the six. Oh, it's the best. It's <laughs> just the best. And then you're walking around the Upper West Side. You're like, where should I get a snack? And you, you know, you look at buildings and you feel better about life after talking to your therapist. Yeah. I would I would usually dip into Zay bars and get a little snack on the way to therapy and uh <laughs> and if I was early enough I would just sit at the Barnes and Noble and read Oh, that's Buddha. a dream. Yeah. Um, so yes, what, I'm very happy to have that part of my life reopening. Mm-hmm. Uh when I get there can we hit up the Dairy Queen on 14th Street or did it close? Is I there a dairy? You deserve I yes. seen. You, Shavik, you deserve better. You're coming to yeah, New York City. I mean, dairy Queen is amazing. I love it's dairy, amazing. Queen. dairy Queen at Ardo MI. It's it's amazing oh, if you're on. like stuck in Florida somewhere on the highway. Oh, but, like, come on! <laughs> it's an iconic American chain. It's good. Maybe, sure, it was, sure. maybe it was replaced by baked by Melissa. Yeah, we're taking you to <laughs> we're taking you to Magnolia Bakery. Okay, no Dairy Queen on your visit. Oh my god, <laughs> I want a blizzard. All we right, look at you a blizzard. Oh, safe travels. Let me know if you want. Thank to, you. Uh, if you want me to put you in touch with Yeni in Mexico. Oh, that would be fun. All right, Queens. Catch uh, you. We're actually Catch all going to stateside. Yeah, we're going to be on the same time zone. Oh, I can't wait. Great. Okay, talk to you soon. Okay. Love you. Juicy. Love you. Bye. Bye.